Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Shiver, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this week we're taking you to Camp Chris. And uh, summer come up, uh, summer come Oh my god! Excuse me. <laughs> what is wrong with us recently? We can't get our words out on this fucking podcast. Summer Camp Slashers. We're not even a minute in. Fuck me. Okay, so over to you, Camp Chris. What do you want me to say? What are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about The Burning. This was my choice. Hence the Camp Chris. He wasn't just being... Uh, wasn't just stating a rude. fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Camp, it's posh. We are anyway. <laughs> continuing with the Summer Camp Slasher season, talking about The Burning, released in 1981, directed by Tony Malum. And released on a one point, well, it's made on a one point five million dollar budget, and I don't know what it made, but I can tell you what Tony Malum has made. He has made Cup Glory and many other football related films, documentaries, and oh, okay. stuff. Uh, he made Genesis. He directed Genesis in concert. Lovely. Uh, Split Second, the Rutger Hauer film. Oh, okay. Uh, and the Sins of Dorian Gray TV movie. Oh, fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's, he's not really done much else. He's probably the only person in this film that hasn't gone on to do much else, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. So, jumping into some trivia. Originally titled The Cropsy Maniac, this is based on a campfire story told at summer camps in and around New Jersey and upstate New York. And it was uh, made into a documentary as well, which apparently didn't mention this film. I think you watched the documentary. Yeah, I, I watched the documentary. It didn't mention this film, as far as I remember. And I feel like I would have remembered it. It's been a few years. It, it was on Netflix, I believe. It was a good documentary. Quite creepy. Um, but it was based on a true story of a, a child killer, really. Mm-hmm. That sort of became a, a campfire tale um which in turn created this purely fictional film yeah so let's face it this film is a uh, show reel for tom savini uh yeah. yeah uh so here's some uh a, a bit of a, a t- well I've got a few Tom Savini facts here so tom savini turned down friday the 13th part 2 to work on this film and uh, he wasn't happy with Cropsy's burn makeup because uh, he was only given three days to do it. I think it looks all right. I, I can't see a problem with it's it. It's perfectly reasonable. Um, it, it's a little masky. Mm, for its time, yeah. It looks good. R- rather than Freddy Krueger, um, which you can tell is, you know, put onto Robert England's skin. Yeah. This does look like a mask. So yeah. Th- th- there's not much movement there. But it's not necessary. I mean, you don't see his face until no. the end of the film. No. Uh, the composer, Rick Wakeman. Again, this is a show reel for Rick Wakeman, really. This he, is a great soundtrack. Yeah. He, he was offered a percentage of whatever the profits of the film made, but he went for a fee instead. He didn't think it would make any money, but then it went on to be the highest grossing horror film in Japan. Ah, okay. So he regretted that decision. Like the most... Not random taste... Um, but, like, Cannibal Holocaust was a huge box office success in Japan. And then a year later, it's The Burning. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) musically, uh, The Nolans 
Uh, if anyone's familiar <laughs> with the Nolans, they're a bit of a cheesy English disco girl group from the late uh, 70s and, and into the 80s. Oh, don't and, upset the Nolans for fuck's sorry, sake. Sorry, but they were a huge success you know, in You know they get angry on social they media. Get the most, like, just, <laughs> they get like the weirdest... Obviously, we love Japanese culture and we love Japanese films, but sometimes we'll be like, Cannibal Holocaust. House was a blockbuster. The, the Japanese house. Yeah. And I'm just upset that films are like on blockbusters here in the UK, if I'm honest. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, we get fucking Avatar as a blockbuster. They get House, one of the craziest films I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> yeah. So for Cropsey's distorted uh, POV shots, the cinematographer rubbed Vaseline on the outside edges of the lens. And you can really tell, I looked out for it this time, and you can tell that's Vaseline. Yeah, yeah. It looks Absolutely. good, but you can tell it's Vaseline. Uh, this is one of the first films uh, to become a video nasty. Now, we mentioned this last week, and we can actually touch on this a little more now, because this was a video nasty. Uh, and what do you think it was a video nasty for? I would say specifically the raft scene. It was exactly for the raft scene. Yeah. So this film contains the greatest sequence from any slasher film. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's up fantastic. there. It, the greatest death scene. It's because it's up there with the end of yeah, sleep away. Because the pacing of this film is so spot on to the point that you get all this character development and uh, you know quite a slow second act, and then this kind of marks the start of the third act because this is when you start getting your deaths, and it is so out of nowhere that it it, it almost feels kind of harsh. And um, yeah, that's the thing. In- you know, very. I mean, uh, um, Cameron from uh, anyone that's just might know from Killerflix on Instagram, he said to me that when I said we were doing the burning, he said, you know, that that's like one of the most mean spirited films he's ever seen. And it, this scene is so mean spirited, but that's why it's so good because it's a horror film. And you're meant to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and they're not just throwaway characters. No, Some of them are. Let, let's be. I've fair. got one of them down as Ponytail Girl, but yeah. the majority of them on there. The majority, you of know, them they've been established. Know them and you know each of the killed scenes, including the raft scene. There's at least one person in there that's killed that you care about. Yeah. Um, you don't get that too often with slasher films. No. And also, um, it's quite. It's weird because some of the campers look very old, but also some of the campers look very young too. Yeah. And it, it did slightly what Sleepaway Camp did, uh, where the campers actually look like campers. Yeah. Not all of them, and we'll get into that, um, but for the majority of them, they did look quite young. Yeah. And there's always that added, for me personally, when they do look their age, it's that added... Emotion to it, really, mm. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, with a lot of video nasties, some that you watch and it's easy to dismiss them, like, you know, watch from a modern sensibility. It's easy to question why they were on the video nasty list. Like, absurd. Why was that on there? Driller Killer only had really one notorious scene. Um, you know, then you got films like this and The Evil Dead and Zombie Flesh Eaters where you watch them and you're like, okay, 
this is what it was all about. Because, I mean, in the 80s, do you imagine going to the cinema and watching this? And, you know, within the first 10 minutes, you've got a hooker being gutted graphically. Yeah. Uh, and then the rough scene, of course, is so graphic. All the death scenes, most of the death scenes, should I say, are so graphic. And I think this deserved a place on... Well, I don't think anything... Well, no. We'll get into that. <laughs> but if you're going to pick up films, if you're going to go for the most gory, then yeah. This makes sense, is what I'm saying. I think there's, there's a difference, and I think in terms of the video nasty, we, we will have a podcast episode on it sometime in the future. Uh, but just to touch on it now, I think there's two different types. Mm. So there's the violent type, yeah, which is this film, and there's also the type of film that's just dark and it's yeah. grimy. And I, th- and I think Driller Killer was that kind of film. I, I'm not a fan of Driller Killer, I'm not. But I think Driller Killer was just so... It felt dirty. Driller Killer should have been on there for two reasons. One, because of how boring it was. And two, because of the <laughs> yeah. fucking pizza scene. Where they're all eating. And it's fucking disgusting. The sound effects on that scene are some of the most disgusting sound effects I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Driller Killer was so boring. I genuinely thought it was just dire. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the most memorable things is people eating, so yeah. says it all. But yeah, no, this this definitely would have been shocking back yeah. in the day, is what I'm yeah. saying. due to the violence, of yeah. course. Yeah, um, But yeah, we will do an episode on Video Nasty soon, because we keep mentioning them every week now. Um, well, it's a big, <laughs> I mean, it's a big thing for horror fans oh, yeah. in the UK. Yeah. So, Tony Malum said there was much more footage of Cropsey, but they cut it back to, as you mentioned... To not show him and to add more effect to it. And I think that works. Yeah. I, I think that works. Would the rough scene had been... Yeah, would, it, would it have been so effective if he popped up wearing that burnt mask? Maybe not. The fact he pops up and you can't see him, but you can see all the things he's doing, it adds more effect to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, th- I think that's a really good decision. And there are shots in the film that are almost yellow. We'll get into that when yeah. we get to that scene. There's one scene very specifically. Two, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the finale shot at the ruins of the abandoned copper mine, uh, that was actually an abandoned copper mine that they stumbled upon whilst filming. They didn't plan to film there. Mm. Um, they stumbled upon it, and uh, they they filmed down there, and the director was still coughing up dust seven weeks after filming. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, it looked very unsafe. And most of the wood scenes were shot day for night, you can tell. Yeah, you can definitely You can definitely tell. tell but yeah. unlike that other film we watched where they were trying to pretend it was night time, what fucking piece of shit was that? Oh, was that uh, American Conjuring? Oh, the Conjuring rip-offs, yeah. yeah. In those films, it looks stupid. In this, it kind of works. It's got a little tint to it. And I think it adds to the style. At some points, it doesn't work. I'm not going to lie. Um, at some points it was very confusing because I was like, uh, if we cut to the next day. Well, I thought it was stylish. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this was written before Friday the 13th, which is interesting because this is often held as a Friday the 13th ripoff. Yeah. There are so many similarities here, um, but it, it was written before it. Um... Yeah, I, th- I think there are similarities, but again, I think their main influence, because obviously if it was written before Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be an influence. Um, but I think within the writing and a lot of the scenes, it's Italian films. Yeah. 
that were yeah. the, re- the reference points. Yeah. And then the releasing was just bad timing, considering Friday the 13th came out before this. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming Friday the 13th would have been shot before this, because Tom Savini worked on both films. Yeah. So my yeah. assumption is that maybe there would be a little bit of crossover, maybe from Tom Savini himself. Yeah, who, that's true. You know. Well, there are creative creative differences between the uh, directors and producers, and uh, Tom Savini was actually asked to write and direct the new ending. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I would say the ending's most similar to Friday the 13th, but uh, there are definitely similarities in there. It's got a body count of 10, and uh, for 80 slasher films, that's... uh, Quite high for when it was released, but quite low by the end of the 80s. Yeah. Um, Now, the elephant in the room, as Alexandra Burke would say. This film did launch the career of a piece of shit. And it's... uh, This falls into the category... We can't do this episode and not discuss this. It's something we have to address... It did launch the career of Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Yeah. So Harvey Weinstein in particular had more involvement, as shitty as that is. He wrote the film, co-wrote it, and uh, produced it. And this is very much a case of having to separate the art from the artist, would you say? Yeah, of course. And, And a lot of people disagree on this idea of separating art from the artist, you know, uh, I don't really want to get into it, but this whole cancel culture, um, you know, do, do, do we stop watching everything that this person's involved in and therefore ignore the work of everybody else yeah. who was involved in the film? Let's face it, if you're going to stop watching everything the Weinstein's made... You're gonna have a very small watch list. Yeah, yeah. They, of course. they were. Unfortunately, they were gods amongst the movie industry for a very long time. You know everything Quentin Tarantino's made up yeah. until, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh huh. Um, you know the Scream franchise, the Halloween sequels. There's so much. It's impossible, impossible to avoid them. Um. I mean, you know, it, it falls down to the whole Roman Polanski thing as well. Are you never going to watch Rosemary's Baby ever again because he's a massive nonce? Yeah. You know, it's it, it's difficult. Are you, are you never going to watch another Woody Allen film? Yeah. You know? Um, and then you get, and, and we haven't got time for this, to be fair, but then you get into, you know, who do you believe? Who's more believable? Have they been convicted? All that stuff. Yeah. It's so, it's so difficult. And I haven't got the answer for it. I, I, I don't know what... I mean... I, I well, of course, with... Film. Well, with, with Harvey Weinstein, that's very different because it was proven, weren't it? Yeah, but then it, this... But then Harvey Weinstein wrote this film. Mm. Of, okay. But then so many other people yeah. were involved yeah. in it. Whereas when you look at something like Woody Allen, mm. he wrote directed, starred yeah, in yeah. these films. It, it, it's, yeah, and, and that's the thing. It, it does vary for me. I mean, for me, the one that I won't watch again is Victor Salva. Because there's just something about that one that really fucking grinds on me. And it, 
He's still working now. Yeah. He's still working now. He got a job with Disney straight after he was convicted of being a paedophile. Yeah. You know, I, I, that one really pisses me off. He's been making... Jeepers Creepers was a massive success. Its sequel was a massive success until the internet became a thing and people were like, hang on a minute, no, he's a piece of shit. And then, obviously, no one watched the third one. But, yeah, it, with him, it's completely different. And for me, I did mark half a star less. For me, The Burning is a five-star film. It, it's, it's one of the best slasher films I've ever seen. But I've only gave it four and a half because the fact that, the wine, that, that Harvey Weinstein wrote this and there's at least two or three scenes of characters forcing themselves on women... It's, yeah, re-watching you know? this film now, and we'll get into this, um, but I've looked at it from a very 2020 point of view, and, you know, we analyse these films as we're going through them, whereas usually I would just sit there and watch it. Yeah. Um, but it, okay, now it makes you think. Oh, yeah, yeah. It makes you think, because yeah. there are, if he wrote this film, there are signs right there. And so some parts of this film just don't sit well mm. with me. Yeah. And it's unusual for me because, I mean, you know, Roman Polanski's a piece of shit, but I've gave five stars to Repulsion, Chinatown, and Rosemary's Baby. With this, I couldn't... I, I just can't do it because it's just... It's just those scenes. It's just uncomfortable. Knowing yeah. who wrote them, who, who made these scenes happen, yeah, you know? Yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be a fan of those scenes anyway. No, 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 of course not, of course not. But, you know, usually they're, they're in there to portray that someone is, you know, a character you're not supposed to like. Yeah. This, yeah. but the fact of who's behind this, it makes it yeah. a whole different story. No, I, I understand that. I, I think we'll get into it more as we go along, because I've got a bit to say about it. Yeah. So... Plot of this film, a former summer camp caretaker, horribly burned from a prank gone wrong, lurks around an upstate New York summer camp, bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. And we open at Which camp... isn't necessarily true. No. This is not say everybody who dies had absolutely nothing to do <laughs> it's with true. <laughs> his initial disfigurement. So we open at Camp Blackfoot, and we're told that tonight's the night when Crops is going to get what he deserves. Yeah, so you've got a group of lads. They're clearly planning a prank. They can't stun the creep. Yeah. Yeah, it's never really stated what he does, though. It states later on. So it's Not in detail. Well, the campfire tale. Okay. Um, so what essentially what it is, is they put a skull into Cropsey's little cabin whilst he's sleeping. This skull is covered in worms and dirt... And there's a couple of candles burning inside of it to make it look extra scary. Uh, and then they start bashing on Cropsey's window, wake him up. He sees the skull, starts screaming, knocks it over. And him and his cabin are set on fire. Yeah, there's, there's conveniently a can of uh, petrol in there. Yes. That it, it falls onto. He is the caretaker though, isn't he? So I suppose he would have petrol lying around. He runs into the lake... And then we are taken to St. Catherine's Hospital one week later. Yeah. So this doesn't sit very well with me either. Um, I, I think, I'm assuming it's played for laughs. I do you know what? I kind of feel sorry for Cropsey for some <laughs> bits of this film. Um. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get two characters that look like they've been 
taken off. Well, one of them looks like he's been taken off the set of a Rob Zombie film with the way he's talking. Yeah, <laughs> so we get an orderly um, who shows a ch- new trainee doctor, um, Cropsy, and he disguised him as the fucking Big Mac <laughs> overdone and says that he's a monster man. Uh, which is really harsh because <laughs> as far as he knows all the, this poor man's been set on fire for a prank <laughs> gone wrong the poor man yes he's been disfigured but it doesn't automatically make him a monster but well, the best thing is the fact that this guy has just appeared there for his first day on the job yeah. and as soon as he sees him he's like this guy looks like shit you need to see him he looks yeah. like a fucking overcooked big man oh my god well hello to you too <laughs> So they go in to see Cropsy, and uh, the orderly is grabbed by Cropsy's <laughs> arm, so a burnt arm. Tom Savini's arm. Tom Savini's arm, and he screams, and then we go into the opening credits. Yeah. Um, I think it's a bit hard. Yeah, because this, this is before... Rude. Well, this is before he's killed anyone. This is just a exactly. burn victim. This is just a poor man that's been in a terrible accident. And he's been so rude about it, so unprofessional. Like, Jesus Christ. So, yeah. <laughs> very, a very 2020 look you think, these things, you think this is it? where Rob Zombie gets his inspiration from? Because that is the exact sub- type of character you'd expect to yeah, see in a Rob Zombie film. that's true. Um, we get the opening credits. Well, we... everyone always said that was Lawrence Fishburne in the role. That is so racist. I'm not being funny, but that is so fucking racist. No, what everybody always used to say, that was Lawrence Fishburne. They were like, oh, Lawrence Fishburne was in The Burning. But they were getting it mixed up with Lawrence Fishburne in Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Yeah, but he looks nothing like Lawrence no, Fishburne, this no. guy. It's like, it's like <laughs> that super awkward interview with Samuel something... yeah. Jackson. Do you remember that? Why is it always Lawrence Fishburne? It's always Lawrence Fishburne. It's so fucking racist. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> they don't actually look alike. No. And the films are like, what, seven years apart? You know, Lawrence Fishburne doesn't look like anybody. He looks like Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne would have been... He's got a very distinct look about him. Yeah, but Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> would have been quite young at that time as well. Yeah. He must have, what, been like 21, 22 when he was in uh, Dream Warriors? He's got a massive fucking gap in his teeth. Like, how can you get him mixed up with anybody else? Anyway. Are stupid. Yeah, people are small-minded. Get the opening credits with this amazing score. Fantastic. Really fantastic soundtrack. I'd love to get this on vinyl. Uh, Rick Wakeman. Um, I, don't, I don't know how big he was in America, um, but he was in the band Yes, mm. um, who were a prog rock band uh, sort of before the 80s, and then they went a, a little more mainstream. But I fucking hate prog rock. <laughs> I hate prog rock. But I love this soundtrack. But my memories of Rick Wakeman is that he was always a guest on Countdown. <laughs> he was always in Dictionary Corner <laughs> on Countdown. Okay. And for anyone not English, uh, not from the UK, um, Google Countdown. It's it's like a game show based on letters and numbers. You, oh, I think they have it in America. Oh, I don't know. You know you're going to be responsible now for Maz wanting to watch Countdown. Because last time you mentioned a British TV show, we had a comment saying she wants to watch Bad Girls. <laughs> so she's probably going to want to watch Countdown now. Okay. <laughs> little shout out there. Yeah. Um, we're taking five years later into the future and Cropsy is allowed out. They they, they give him a, a little uh, pep talk, don't they? Well, they say, <laughs> we're sorry the skin grafts didn't take. And they tell him to control his feelings for revenge. 
It's like they didn't know what they were doing. So my my big question in this scene is he's being wheeled down the the corridor in the hospital mm. and the the exit and they get to the, the doors, the automatic doors, and they open. And then it's like you can get out of the wheelchair now. <laughs> so if you can't walk down the fucking if you can't walk down the fucking corridor, what the fuck's he gonna do outside when you got a wheelchair? <laughs> his wheelchair and he certainly didn't need a wheelchair for the rest of the film no um but yeah as he's being wheeled down for, for no reason <laughs> apart from sheer laziness seemingly um we do get voiceovers of the doctors you know reminding him that it was an accident um that it's gonna be a struggle to readjust into society don't go killing a bunch of campers. Yeah, yeah, essentially. <laughs> Don't kill a hooker. <laughs> Don't do exactly what you're about to do. So, so, so after that little, uh, that little preparation they gave him for the outside world, he goes out and uh, he picks up a hooker. Yeah. She takes him back to her place. Yeah. He, uh, what did she say? Have <laughs> you got it written down? <laughs> wow, honey, this is home. <laughs> <laughs> Doing a best May West impression. Yeah. Uh, she wants to hurry it on because she's got to earn a living. Yeah. He switches the lights <laughs> off. It's like, like the low-key lighting, huh? That's okay with me. And then she puts a lamp on. <laughs> like, what? So, uh, yeah. He uh, reveals his face and she is absolutely repulsed. She, yeah. So she automatically assumes he's a monster that's going to try and kill her. <laughs> Or, like, rob her. Like, just because this is his facial disfigurement. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> so, he doesn't take too kindly to this. So he grabs a pair of scissors and he guts her. Well, that's the problem, isn't it, with this film? Is that it kind of plays into... He's had a rough time. <laughs> yeah, but she had nothing to do with it. She's just living her life. She was repulsed by his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean... Yeah, I suppose so. Look at the scissors. Uh, you see why he's been sent on this downward spiral <laughs> from the, the the opening five minutes. I mean, he's set on fire. He's treated like a monster <laughs> just because he was set on fire. It wasn't exactly his fault. No. He didn't ask to be set on fire, That's did he? That's the thing. Very harsh. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he, he graphically guts her. You see the knife go... The, the scissors going into the stomach and... Uh, then she is pushed through a window. Now, I know Dario Argento didn't direct this film, but that is very Dario Argento. Yeah, that's very... I mean, it's a signature of Dario yeah. Argento. Um, the, the breaking glass. Yeah. Particularly people being pushed through glass. And whilst he's doing all of this, with the scissors, he's got black gloves on, like a jello. Yeah, and he's silhouetted, so we don't see what he looks like. Um, so very giallo. Yeah. Very. Which is great because giallo and slashes are very similar and... We wouldn't have slashes without giallo. No, it it kind of felt like this one was like, it was like it was a metaphor for giallo passing the torch because you got this bit here where it's clearly a giallo film and then it swaps over to your slasher film like straight after you take it to a summer camp. It's like, oh, okay. That is a good mix. Yeah. The giallo parts were good for... Uh, style. Yeah. They looked great. Um, a little pointless because we know who the killer is. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, obviously, they we're building up to the big reveal of his face at the end <laughs> of the film. The big reveal everyone's so scared of. 
So uh, we're taken to Camp Stonewater where there's a game of baseball going on. Is it baseball around? I suppose it would be baseball. I like have no idea. Um, I'm not the sportiest person. No. I can't tell. All, all I do know is that oh, the ladies are getting perved on whilst they yeah. play this game. Of course. Aren't they? Yep, it's the 80s, they're at a summer camp, so all the girls are getting perved on. Um, a ball is hit into the woods, and Tiger, uh, one, name, Tiger. The, one of the girls, goes to get it, and Cropsy is watching her. And just as he's about to kill her, he she finds the ball yes. and runs back to the camp. But <laughs> this film does... Was it Madman? Does the same as Madman in a lot of slasher films. Yeah, where you <laughs> there's where, someone behind someone and they should know they're there. Yeah, like you get a point of view, and we know it's a point of view because there's Vaseline on the lens. We get a point of view of the killer, and they're literally like, I mean, we're under social distancing at the moment. It wouldn't fly under social distancing. No. They're at least <laughs> they're less than two meters away. So really, they should have seen. I mean, I mean, at one point in this film, Alfred looks directly at the point of view he camera. Does. <laughs> um, but, you know, our invisible killer. Yeah, but Alfred has magical powers because there's one point where he's following another character and he is he looks like he's walking alongside him. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's that close to him. That's true. But she finds a ball and she's safe and then we have a conversation about some love troubles, don't we? Yeah, so they're at the dinner table and Karen is... Nervous that Eddie is coming on too strong. This is very madman, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but sh- she really likes him. She does. So, oh god, this is exactly like Madman. Yeah, except uh, Eddie's a piece of shit. Yeah, and I mean, in Madman, it was because she um, basically wasn't sure if she liked him enough. Yeah. But I think poor Karen likes him, mm. but doesn't want to be another notch in his bedpost. Essentially. No. Sally goes to take a shower and uh, as she's in the shower and we get a slow panning shot to reveal her boobs like it's a big reveal. Yeah, she's also using some magic shampoo <laughs> um, that con- that seems to get rinsed out and then just comes back again. <laughs> so, oh no, you're not finished. Um, she's washing shampoo out of her hair for about five minutes. Yeah. You can see that someone's watching her, but there's no Vaseline on the camera, so you know it's not Cropsy. <laughs> oh my god, that's true. So, someone's watching her, and she's about to leave the shower, and she screams and runs away. Well, she doesn't run away, but someone runs away. And that someone is Alfred. Nerdy Alfred. Yeah, who looks like Woody Allen. As creepy as that yeah, is. so... Um... I think most we go through this film, we can point out who people are. Yeah. Because I think out of ev- every slasher film and, and horror film, really, like low-budget horror film, this has had many stars come out of it, hasn't it? Yeah. Um. So, and not the biggest one, Alfred, but Alfred is played by Brian Backer, uh, who would go on to uh, star in Fast Times at Bridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe he also won a Tony for playing a young Woody Allen on stage. And he is very Woody allen Yeah. If he had but glasses on, it looked yeah, just like absolutely. Him. So he was prowling around the shower, having a peek at uh, Sally and a magic shampoo. Uh, but apparently he was just trying to scare her. Yeah. So I have an issue with Alfred. <laughs> And 
The issue is, yeah, well, just the, the main one is that he's a dirty pervert. No, 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 no. As Michelle says, he's a sexual pervert. He's a sexual pervert. <laughs> and that's an issue for yeah. the film. Because he's meant to be a sympathetic character. Yeah. But I don't think he's so sympathetic. Because what the fuck did Sally do? Apparently he did it to get back at Sally's boyfriend. Well, you're a dickhead. You're a dickhead. Why yeah. would you scare her like that? What the fuck has she done? And you there fucking touching yourself while she's in the shower. You dirty bastards. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why he's meant to be likeable. Yeah? He's very, very creepy. It's really creepy. It's, it's really a sort of cre- character that if, if you didn't know who the killer was, you'd expect it to be him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's over the killer. Or he should... Spoiler alert. He lives till the end. Where he, he's I, essentially the final girl. He's the final girl. And he didn't fucking deserve to be. Because he's a creepy bastard. But why... He, he ends up being the final girl through more perving. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, he's weird. He's weirdo. So, he, we, get a, we get a bit of sympathy. Um, well, he, he's begging for sympathy from uh, from the viewer because yeah. he starts telling Todd how he's got no friends and everyone bullies him. Because he watches girls in the shower. <laughs> if you want friends, don't spy on their girlfriends. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, no one wants Glazer as a friend. No. Glazer is a piece of shit. It's weird. Fucking weird. Todd reveals uh, that he had a similar experience to Alfred when he was at summer camp five years ago. <gasps> five years ago? Well, what happened five mm. years ago? I believe that is when Cropsy turned into an overcooked Big Mac. Oh, my God. So, I wonder if that's going to help the plot, the storyline. Mm. So, Glazer turns up with his big fucking stupid wife-beater vest. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I need to go back onto that five years thing. And, and you mentioned it as well. <laughs> yeah. um, He's a child five years ago. Absolutely. No no offence <laughs> to um, this, whoever played Todd. Um, my sincerest apologies. But five years. <laughs> Not fucking five years. That is five years being More cruel like to him. More like ten years. They've been very cruel to him, haven't they? Yeah, he does not look like he went to camp five years ago. He has aged badly. No offence, but sh- I'm going to go say uh, sure, Jan, on that. Five years. Yeah. Well, Glazer turns up and he just looks like a fucking idiot. He He's wearing this big, stupid fucking wife-beater vest. He talks with this really forced accent. I don't think that was his actual accent. He's got shit hair. And he's just really... It's just frustrating to look at. Yeah, I don't know what he's meant to be. I'm assuming the idea is that he's like a bodybuilder because they talk about his muscles. Yeah, he's always angry. He's big He's big set and he looks... He looks older than fucking Todd. <laughs> um, uh, just, just before that one, I had a little note. About the girls talking in their um, in their cabin, mm. but they're all talking about shagging. Yeah, with the counselor there, <laughs> and they're all smoking a fag. They're all like <laughs> handing this cig around, and this tiger who is one of the ones that looks quite young, mm. she's there having this fucking ciggy whilst talking about shagging <laughs> with the counselor. I'm like, oh, don't know what kind of camp this is. So. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so Glazer threatens Alfred to stay away from his girl. And then Todd threatens him for threatening Alfred. And, uh, yeah. It, but he uh, should get threatened. Yeah, it, it really? was. Really? Yeah. 
I, I didn't know who I was rooting for, if I'm honest. I, mean, I couldn't stand either of them. If some weirdo was uh, perving on me in the shower, you'd have words with him, wouldn't you? I would. I'd, I'd put on my glazer vest and I'd uh, go and have words. But, oi, mate. <laughs> Leave it out. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> Alfred and the boys, they go to the lake and uh, they're, they're all having a chat about swimming over to the girls and uh, going to speak to them. They all go in and we find out Alfred can't swim and uh, he's pushed into the lake by Glazer. The girls are fuming at Glazer for it, uh, but he goes for a swim over to them and he's like, wow. Yeah, he has some of the best chat lines I've ever heard. He's like, wow, you all look like mermaids. <laughs> hey, Sally. Hey, pretty girl. <laughs> Hi, Sally. Hi, pretty girl. <laughs> it's... <laughs> But he still looks angry when he's saying it. He does, yeah. <laughs> it's not charming. Why would you tell them they all like mermaids? <laughs> so the boys all, they come up with a plan to get him back for what he did to Alfred. And uh, they shoot him with a pea gun. And then when he turns round, they all drop the shorts and moon him. Now, this is a bit of a problem because... One of them does bend over a little too far, and you do get to see his <laughs> asshole. A little too far. You can see right up there. <laughs> it is. And I'm. Not, what is a pea shooter, by the way? It's a gun where you shoot peas out of. An actual pea? I don't know if it's an actual pea, but that's what it's called. Like a BB gun? Yeah. Oh, basically. okay. I wasn't really sure what a pea shooter Yeah, they, was. they shoot him in the ass of one of those and then show him their, their bum holes. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah. Did you did the, the cameraman not think to say? Oh, well, hang on a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> back up a we need bit. to uh, we need to reshoot this. <laughs> back up a bit. <laughs> we don't really want to show that. Um, <laughs> no, no, leave it in. Leave it in. Um, yeah. <laughs> so these these lads, uh, these three lads that are now friendly with um, uh, Alfred. Fuck knows why. No, I don't know. I think they're, they're just as goonies he is, to be fair. you got Dave, who's played by Jason Alexander. Yeah. Uh, who would go on to play George in Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave's like... Oh, Dave's the banter king, isn't he? Or who thinks Dave he is. looks like he's in his 40s. He does. But that's that's what Jason Alexander looks like. <laughs> uh, then you've got Woodstock, who was played by Fisher Stevens. Um, who went on... Now, I remember him from an episode of Friends, but I also remember him from Short Circuit. He okay. was in Short Circuit. And then the other one, I don't know who he is and can't remember this is the his character's own, yeah. name. His name is Fish, and this is his only film. Oh, his Fish was his name. This was his only film. This was his only film. He looks a bit like... Um, Rusty Griswold from European Vacation, Night of the Creeps. Oh, he Jason does. Lively. He does. Yes, that's very correct. So, they all, they're all friends now. They go back to the cabin. And uh, Dave is a bit of a, uh, a, a sex dealer, shall we say? Because the boys have ordered dirty mags and condoms from him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, because he looks 40... He can go to the shops and buy these things. For yeah. Them. So Rusty Griswold ordered Playboy, and uh, Woodstock ordered Hustler. So Rusty's got a problem with this because he can't understand why Woodstock would order Hustler when his dick is so small. 
No, I thought he meant because of his skinny frame. No, no, no. He meant his dick. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> Makes absolutely... What? What? Why does that make a difference to the magazine? Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> um, But we're reassured by Dave, aren't we? Yeah. Because old Woodstock is the jerk-off champion. It's true. <laughs> Lovely. This is the weirdest scene. Because now we've got Glazer. He's still there. And he's like, Oh, I can't believe you all have a wank. Ugh. And he's, like, really angry at him for masturbating. But then, in a really bizarre scene, and I, I, I do have to give um, credit to the horror show for this, because they covered this film as well. And it was only through them highlighting this that I actually paid attention to this scene. And it doesn't make any sense at all. He's ordered some condoms, and he is so pissed off because they're not lubricated. You're at a fucking summer camp and you're a teenager. Why are you upset that you haven't got lube on your fucking condoms? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's it's fuming. He's so angry about this. It's a weird conversation to put in this film. He's like, I told you I wanted lubricated. And he's like, well, you get what you get. And he's like, why? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's that say about Sally? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think what he said, because I don't think he'd got with Sally before later in the film, spoiler alert. Um, so I think he was just trying to maybe impress by his condom knowledge. <laughs> I don't know. It's so strange. It's, it's weird. And and it, Everyone in this film is, like, sex-obsessed. Yeah. There aren't they, really? They're all, uh-huh. they're all a bit of a sexual predator. <laughs> Even for an 80s slasher film. Yeah. So, but uh, Alfred um, breaks the, the strange conversation up because he spots what he calls a horrible face at the window. It's poor Cropsy. Yeah, it was basically Cropsy just walking but past, oh minding his own God. business, and then he's like, oh, it's a horrible face! <laughs> and... <laughs> It's exactly like that as well. Yeah. Right? And, uh, of course, this might surprise you, but Glaze is not happy about this. So he shakes his bed, and he's like, so, uh, you saw her face, huh? Shit. And walks off. Yeah. <laughs> Told him. Uh, they walk into the canteen, and Glazer's perving over the girls again. Yeah, Sally in particular. Sally in particular. But, he, I, I don't know, I've seen him look at all the mermaids. Yeah. And then Dave's shit banter angers Glazer. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. Um, Woodstock realises he's forgot his vitamin E. So, uh... What's vitamin E for? I don't know. It was, it was a little strange. I don't know what vitamin E... Because he, he acts as if it's, like, super-duper important. Mm-hmm. Like, like, having to take, um, like, diabetes medication. Um, but... Spoiler alert. He never actually finds it. <laughs> no. No, he goes back to the cabin to go and look for it. Um, you see Cropsy watching him. And as we think Cropsy is going to kill him, it's a fake scare from Todd. He was just there because everyone's favourite character, Glazer, told him that he was really unwell and that's why he went back there. But he did that as a prank. Yeah. Great. Prank. Hilarious. Yeah. Um... But anyway... I'm proper shit bantering this Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was set up as a joke. Exactly. 
either telling someone that you're very, very ill or t- top banter or showing someone your arsehole. <laughs> like, oh, mate, got you good. Here's my bomb hole. Well, telling someone they can't read a porno magazine because the dick's too small. <laughs> so they all go on a canoe trip the next day and we get a campfire story about Cropsy. Yeah, we do. Which, um, do you know what? I'm going to spoil it for you. I'm sorry. But it turns out Todd was one of the guys at the beginning of the film. Yeah. That set Cropsy on fire. Mm-hmm. It's a little inappropriate that he's telling this story. <laughs> and he literally he tells the story of Cropsy. Yeah, word for word. Basically, word for word. Like, which is extremely inappropriate. <laughs> this is the story about that time I disfigured someone. Scary. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so... He's basically reiterating that Cropsy was a bit cunty. Um, he loved to scare the campers. Yeah. Um, but that's what I mean. It doesn't really go into too much detail. No. Was it just shit pranks? Or, you know, was he... Did he hit anyone? It didn't really go into mm. that. Did he deserve to be set on fire? Um, but then he, he tells the story of the fire as well. Highly inappropriate considering he was, he caused it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> well, okay. So, this guy's a bit of an arsehole, Cropsy. Uh-huh. He's the caretaker. Okay. You pull a prank on him. It's a stupid prank. Goes wrong. This poor man is set alight, you know. Mm-hmm. Could have died. The hospital knew it was them that did it as well. Yeah, they said They absolutely. said to him, yeah. don't be too harsh on them. Don't be too harsh on them. So, this guy survives, but it's life-changing. Life-changing yeah. injuries and deformities caused by this. Your prank gone wrong. Yeah. What do you decide to do? Oh, I'm going to make up a campfire <laughs> tale that not only recounts the whole story, but then paints this guy as a killer. Now, okay, it turns out to be true. <laughs> but Todd don't know that. He's just, that's just rubbing salt in the wounds. Not only have I caused you to look like a monster, I'm going to paint you out to be a monster. I'd love to have seen an alternative uh, camera angle where Crops is just there in the background listening like, this bitch! Yeah. <laughs> He's obsessed with me and I love it. He just walks in like, and now, back to this bitch who had a lot to say when he disfigured me back in the day. Todd, what's good? Oh my god, that's so rude. <laughs> Todd's an arsehole as well. So, yeah, but do you know who else is an arsehole? Who? Eddie, who pops up wearing a mask. Oh. And it's not too dissimilar to Cropsy's face. And, uh... Start scaring everyone. And then we get this really happy music, like, <laughs> celebrating that he just yeah. did this. And like, oh, you. Oh, you. <laughs> but then, who does he jump up next to? <laughs> who does he jump Poor up? fucking Sally. <laughs> Do you know who I feel sorry for in this Sally. film? <laughs> Sally. She survives it, doesn't she? No. Oh, shit, she doesn't. No. no. Oh, God, no. Poor bitch. She doesn't. No, and we'll get on to that. I, I, I will give you the tale of poor Sally. <laughs> Uh, later on. Yeah, so, um, Eddie does his prank, scares everyone, but then he's trying to seduce Karen, and we get our first scene of someone trying to force themselves on someone. 
But yeah. I, when, when I say force the to someone, they, they, they go skinny dipping. Um, she tells him that she's unhappy because he's already, he's always bragging about how many people he's had. Um, her exact words. They go skinny dipping and I'm pretty sure he shoves a finger up her fanny. He reaches his yeah. hand down and she moves away from him. Yeah, so he's coming on way too strong. She agrees to like a romantic skinny dip. Yeah, she told him she didn't want to have sex. And she basically says, no, you know, I, I want to make sure that your feelings for me are real. And uh, he gets quite aggressive and then quite angry. Yeah. Gives her a little splash of water. Yeah. Disney, and she swims off. But in um, between that, he does force himself on her. He tries, yeah, tries yeah, no, kissing absolutely, her. absolutely. Um, so Eddie's a fucking arsehole. Um, but it ends up being Karen that's killed in this scene. Yeah, yeah. So, so she, um, she goes out of the water, and Cropsy has stolen all of her clothes, seemingly. Um, we we get quite a bit of uh, full frontal from we, Karen, we do don't yeah we? she puts the shoes on so she's got her shoes on but it's not it's not like oh I'm about to go you know skinny that was to begin with oh I'm about to go skinny dipping but it it feels a bit it's a little perfect the way that he yeah. crops his steals her clothes and then I mean this could it's be the way the camera is as well yeah yeah it's it's kind of lingers on certain shots i don't it feels uncomfortable if i'm being honest mm. um it it's not like, oh look how sexy i am she's in a very vulnerable position she's basically just been you know assaulted really yeah. by this dude it seemingly looked like he'd assaulted her and uh yeah, I felt very sorry for Karen. Yeah, her clothes been scattered all around the woods by Cropsy. And uh, and then she uh, she gets killed by him. Yeah, in another very shallow way. This, yeah. This reminded me, um, I can't, it, another Dario Argento film, I, I think Bird of the Crystal Plumage. I think there's a scene similar mm-hmm. or a shot similar uh, where we get a very close up of her face. Uh, being held by a black glove yeah. and then having her throat slit. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive me if it's not Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, but that's what I was getting, that sort of giallo as yeah. well. So that that was a nice touch. But I felt sorry for Karen. Yeah. Which I suppose, I'm not sure if that's what they were going for. I think, they, I think you meant to feel sorry for yeah. her. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I just didn't like the way the camera was in that scene it wasn't necessary we no. already knew she had no clothes on you yeah. didn't have to be at you know waist height yeah so much so Eddie's questioned about where she's gone and he obviously tries defending himself as much as he can but uh, Michelle is fuming mm-hmm. um, Michelle's one of the most uh, apart from Karen and Sally, Michelle's one of the more likable characters as well. Yeah, I think Michelle's she's, probably the most likable. Yeah, she's always standing up for, you know, anything like this. Yeah, happens. she stands up for what's right. And um, I have to say, and obviously I keep saying this throughout this, but I'll get on to it later. But I think Michelle would have been a better final girl. Yeah, I yeah. do. Um, yeah, so the canoes are missing. And uh, Glazer obviously blames Alfred for the canoes. Yeah. That is a bit of a weird um, one. Like, uh, he's a pervert, but I don't think he's <laughs> let all the canoes loose. No, so they, they go looking for the canoes, and uh, 
and I think it's Fish that says, uh, hey guys, what are we looking for? And everyone says, your mother! Oi! Yeah. Top banter. And uh, they, came up, they come up with the idea of building a raft. So, um, in between building the raft, Glazer forces himself on Sally. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a bit uncomfortable. Um, comes on very strong. And he actually says, you know you want to. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but then Alfred's watching from afar as of well. Of course he is. It's really fucking weird. And this is another case of poor Sally. Yeah. Not only is, you know, this guy coming on way too strong with her, he's, she's still got the fucking pervert that was staring at her in the shower, watching mm. her in the shower. Yeah. Still watching her from afar. Yeah. It's never really explained why Alfred is such a peeping Tom. No, no. Like that. No, and it is annoying that he doesn't get as just desserts for it. No, no. I, I, I do... I mean, it's great. It's a great slasher film. Mm. There's so many aspects that are great, but I just I take issue with certain things and and Alfred not being killed off at all, but way earlier is one of them. Yeah. Well, we approach the best scene of the film now. Eddie, Woodstock, Fish, Diane and a ponytail girl get on the raft and they find a canoe abandoned and... One of the greatest jump scenes of all, uh, jump scares of all time. Uh, Cropsy, they, they approach this canoe and Cropsy just fucking flies out of nowhere. Yeah, and you get this wonderful shot yeah. of Cropsy uh, holding the um, garden shears down, mm. and he it's the like white, essentially white in the background. Yeah, and. Um, his silhouette, silhouetted, isn't he? Yeah. Is that this scene? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, I think they use it again later. To be yeah. Fair. We haven't mentioned yet that it is garden shears that he's using as a weapon. Yeah. Um, Rather which, than the scissors that he used on the, the yeah. prostitute. And this scene is just so... Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. We haven't had no death scenes since that prostitute to start the film. Yeah, you don't get many scenes in slasher films... Uh, death scenes in slasher films. Well, I'm sorry, we have. Yeah, of course we had Karen. Um, yeah. Prior to this, yeah. but this still seems so out of nowhere. Yeah, because you don't get many um, kills in kill scenes in slasher films that aren't just one on one. Yeah. So it's so out of nowhere that it's just like bam, 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 bam. Yeah. All these kids are dead. Yeah. And uh, Eddie, thank God. And yeah, it, it take it, the way he takes them down and everything. It just it takes away that sense of security you'd have in a slasher film. It shows you that he's a bit more powerful than uh, than your standard slasher villain when he could do all of that at once. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. So he, what he does is... So he cuts off... Um, Woodstock's fingers. Woodstock's fingers. And you see it, you know, uh, quite graphically. Um, he only kind of stabs the... What was is her name? Ponytail Panda. Girl. Yeah, he, he stabs and she falls off um, the raft. Uh, he slashes uh, Fish's chest. He stabs Eddie in the throat. And then in a scene that always takes me by surprise, no matter how many times I watch this film, he slashes um, Diane's forehead. She's Diane. Yeah, that's Diane, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he, he cuts her head open. Yeah, essentially... 
But she, she's there screaming for a long time. Yeah. Let's be fair, she could have got an L. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, it still makes for a great moment. Oh, though. no, I mean, absolutely. The, absolutely. That sight of, of her forehead being cut open, it's so graphic, so shocking. It's, yeah, it, this scene just shows why Tom Savini is, is one of the greatest, Oh yeah, you know, VFX guys of all time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then we end the scene on um, blood trickling down Diane's... Yeah, in, in kind of like a stop motion um, yeah. effect. And then we fade to red. Yeah. It, it, it's so good. So, so good. And it's, it's a scene that everyone knows this, you know, knows this it's film before. It's a famous before. scene, yeah. Yeah, I, I only knew this scene before watching the actual film. Yeah. And I didn't know when it was going to happen. Like... I'd always seen it from the moment where he jumps up and, you know, you see the raft and you know something's approaching. You know it's going to happen. But then it's still, the jump scare is so effective. And this was a scene that always had the cuts. Yeah. So when you had like five different DVD releases or VHS releases over the years that had cuts and this, that and the other, it was always the raft scene that got the most cuts. Yeah. Uh, Obviously it's uncut now on Blu-ray. So it fades to red, and then we get Glazer and Sally having sex. She finally gave in to him. Yes. Fortunately. But then when he finishes, uh, she has one question for him. Is that it? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, he's a five-second wonder. and uh, Yeah, he's a minute man. She's cold because he didn't do much to warm her up. <laughs> yeah. So poor Sally. Okay, so here's the ballad of poor Sally. <laughs> So, all she wanted was a shower. Yeah. She gets old peeping Tom outside. Yeah. Little campfire tale. Eddie had many people to do the jump scare mm-hmm. on and to jump up next to. He chooses Sally. Yeah. Even though she's already on edge because she had a, a peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then she essentially, you know, gets um, Glazer being way too over the top mm-hmm. with her. Then she finally gives in on her terms. Yep. She says, okay, well, let's do this. So a nice romantic sleeping bag shag. And it lasts absolutely no Shit. time whatsoever. Yeah. And by all accounts, he wasn't even using the lubricated condoms. No. Then her issues are her issues. I'm not one to judge, um, you know, about vaginal lubrication. <laughs> Um, but it must have been pleasant for her anyway, no. if without that lubrication. No, of. I mean, I suppose when you look at Glazer, no wonder he needs lube, <laughs> you know. But what anyway, well, he's not going to do the trick anyway, is he? Uh, anyway, so, um, <laughs> yeah. no offence to the guy who plays Glazer, of course. I mean, I'm sure you're a lovely guy, but this character, the way you portrayed in this film, you know, it's not very attractive. Um, so he goes to get some matches to start a fire. And uh, have a romantic <laughs> fire, and then Cropsy attacks Sally. <laughs> These we've never shown a corpse though. These campers are very like we are shown Sally's corpse. Yeah, we're only seeing the top of her head. He could have just knocked her out. Yeah, I hope so. So, so what? <laughs> but these campers are have literally no supervision whatsoever. No. So they're there smoking a fag, talking about shagging. In the cabins. Yeah. They're here, there and everywhere when they've gone on this trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like Sally and Glazer, they're like, actually, it's late at night, and they're like, actually, we're going to set a fire and we'll <laughs> stay here. No one knows that they're there, but no one's gone to search for them. <laughs> like, Todd and Michelle have gone to sleep, yeah. like, whatever. Um, but yeah, so Cropsey comes out and she's essentially holding his arms back. Yeah. And that's how we leave her. Yeah. Um, as Glazer returns to get the matches. Yeah, Alfred follows Glazer. Because <laughs> yeah. he wants to have a good old perv again. <laughs> yeah, because Alfred's a fucking weirdo. And then this is how he becomes our final girl. He no, he, he spots uh, Glazer approaching um, Sally. We don't get to see beneath her eyes. And then, before we know it, finally, Glazer is killed. He's stabbed in the throat with the garden shears. So, and Alfred witnesses it all. So, yeah. So, Glazer thinks that Sally's playing some sort of prank. Yeah. Oh, oh pretty girl. You're playing a prank on me. <laughs> and uh, when he pulls the sleeping bag back, he gets um, Cropsey's shears to yeah. the throat. And he gets lifted and to a tree. And it's mm-hmm. a great, great special effects yeah. in that scene. Does that mean Cropsey was in the sleeping bag with her? No, I think he was just teleporting again. I think he was just in the background somewhere. No, because the the, the shears he see he sees the shears, and then they fly up into his throat. Okay, so the so Cropsey then. must have been in the he sleeping bag with her. Yeah, <laughs> waiting. Unless he decapitated her, because like I said, you don't need to see her in fall. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe it was her head. And his body. Yeah. I, this is the yeah. scene where, when Alfred follows Glazer, he's walking right next to him. Yeah, essentially. I don't know yeah. how Glazer didn't know he was there. Yeah, so Glazer leaves the camp, and literally as he's leaving, Alfred gets out of his sleeping bag and follows him. Yeah. Um, he must have heard Alfred get out. Whatever. It's an, it's an early 80s slasher film. That's not got too much into <laughs> Uh, goofs and, and details and continuity. So Alfred goes to warn Todd uh, that he's just seen Glazer being killed and uh, Alfred takes Todd to the bodies and quite surprisingly, normally in a film like this, you'd expect the bodies to be gone when a character tries to do something like this, but the bodies are still there and uh, and Todd gets a scratch on the face from the uh, garden shears, doesn't he? Yeah, so he gets, yeah, he gets like a cut to the forehead which knocks him out temporarily. The raft comes back. Michelle swims out to find out what's going on. She finds all the corpses. Yeah, she does. So Todd, after waking up, so Alfred's ran off and he's in hiding somewhere else. Todd returns to the camp and uh, Michelle's swimming over to the raft. Uh, Holly Hunter, Oscar winner. Yeah. Holly Hunter in, I think, maybe her first screen role. I assume so. She gets her two lines of the film. So she, <laughs> she was an extra, basically, until she had these two lines. Uh, what does she shout? Um, I think she just shouts Todd yeah. a couple of times for one of them. And something like, you go, Michelle. Oh, you find that raft, Michelle. Go on, <laughs> Michelle. Go on. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Holly, Holly Hunter's, I think, first screen yeah. role. Um yeah, where was I? Oh, yeah, Michelle gets yeah. to the raft, grabs uh, what's Woodstock's arm, yeah. and it's uh, it's not part of his body anymore. No. And then Woodstock comes out of the water to greet her. 
<laughs> wants to give her a hug. Yeah. <laughs> she screams and we fade to red again. She, she's told to go and get help from the camp. And uh, so she does. She takes the kids on the raft. Yeah, so we get quite a few kids survive in this film. Yeah. Um, so a character like Dave, who had a fairly big role. Yeah. He survives. Um, Tiger survives just by getting the raft and going back, mm-hmm. essentially. So. Yeah, Todd, uh, Todd goes looking for Alfred. And uh, Cropsy takes Alfred into his uh, evil lair. Into the cave, mine shaft, or whatever it was. It's a mine, yeah, yeah. it's a mine shaft. And, uh, and Michelle goes back to the camp and tries warning one of the other counsellors about uh, what's happened. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever, you're full of shit. But he says, look at the kids! And because the kids look upset, it's like, oh my god, just tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd goes into the mine with an axe, Cropsy has a flamethrower. And we get a flashback to the start of the film showing Todd saying to burn the motherfucker down. Yeah, so we get the flashback to the beginning where a character that looks absolutely nothing <laughs> like Todd uh, is revealed to be Todd five yeah. years previously. Um, so I, I don't know if that was meant to be a big twist. No, uh, surely not. I don't think so. It's so obvious. But it, it makes that whole campfire tale rather inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Very rude. We get an axe versus flamethrower fight. <laughs> uh, Alfred stabs Cropsy, because Alfred's uh, pinned to the wall with the garden shears and yeah. gagged. He manages to get He, he gets out, uh, he stabs Cropsy with his own garden shears. A rescue helicopter arrives. And as they're uh, walking out, Cropsy comes back to life. One more scare. And gets an axe to the head from Todd. And as if, you know, he hasn't already been set on fire enough, uh, Alfred sets him on fire with his own flamethrower. <laughs> and then we see his body burning. And we get another campfire tale from either a new counsellor or Todd with a shit wig. Yeah, it, we couldn't... We were struggling to tell if it was Todd again. Uh, but we get essentially the same campfire tale that Todd was telling. Yeah. Uh, but then we get a little, uh, you're dead at the end, <laughs> yeah. don't we? And then we get the, the credits roll for the end of the film. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is, uh, for me, I mean, I know we, we've really, you know, we've torn it apart a fair bit. Yeah. Um, but it, it is... It is a great slasher film. It is yeah. up there with some of the best for me. Uh, I I feel like in terms of a lot of the characters and the development they get, mm. I care for a lot of them. Yeah. Which you don't get in many slasher or horror films. Um, I think the special effects are fantastic. Yeah. I think the style and the way it's shot is great. Um, I think the soundtrack is fantastic. And the and the, actually the acting isn't bad. No, no, it no actor in it was actually you know you didn't think oh god, that was awful. No, acting. and that's rare. That's They're rare. All pretty good and pretty believable. Yeah, as campers, some of them yes look look a bit older, um, but the way they act and the way they're written is very believable. Yeah, and um, this you know I think this is a fantastic slasher film. There were just elements of it that just don't sit right now when we've analysed it. There's just certain elements. It, I, don't, I don't think it treats its women very well. No. 
Um, yes, Michelle is, is a strong character, but we don't see her enough. No. I, I really wanted Michelle to be that final girl because I feel like if you're going to be kind of misogynistic, really... Yeah. Very iffy in its depiction of the way men treat women and its depiction of women, then I think you need that final girl. Like many horror films, Mm -hmm. you know, they're always being accused of being misogynistic, but they always have that female character who's strong, who is, you know, representative of female empowerment. Yeah. And that's the one we root for. And that's the one that eventually survives. Now, Michelle survives, but she's not within that final girl no. uh, criteria. It's Alfred, who was a peeping Tom. Yeah, and, and, and it, Todd, who and it was know, Todd created all this. Who created all this, who essentially burnt a man alive, you know, and never really... Because if he'd gotten any sort of, you know got into trouble for it, he wouldn't be a camp counsellor five years later. No. So it's just stuff like that. And I know it's very, I don't know, I don't know how you would describe it. Um, Woke. I don't know if people use that term. I I try not to. I don't know if it's very modern or very 2020 of me, but you have to look at films like this. Yeah. You know, and there's just certain things that don't sit right. Yeah. And certain things where you're like, actually... Knowing this was written by Harvey Weinstein, yeah. it really doesn't sit right. Yeah, and it is a shame because it is so close to being perfect. Oh, it is. Know. Oh, and it, and it is fantastic, and I would recommend watching it. Yeah. So don't don't get me wrong; it's a great film, and there's so many elements of it that, to me, make it superior to Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, so. Um, I think as a whole, the film's superior to Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd put it on par really with. Sleepaway Camp and mm-hmm. Friday the 13th Part 4, which yeah. is my favourite Friday the 13th sequel. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely it, recommend it's a shame. It. It's a shame that it didn't ever get a sequel. I think there's rumours of a remake being made. It could work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, character-wise, absolutely, it needs one. Special effects, if you keep with practical effects, it could work. It, it could be really good. I think if you're going to... I think there was ever a time to do it. It would be after that documentary picked up a bit of yeah steam, um, because you know it was a well known documentary. Uh, maybe a little too late now. I don't. I don't know how many people are familiar with the original. Yeah, you know. But then you look at films like My Bloody Valentine and Prom Night. You know, they that's true. weren't exactly the most well known films, but they got remakes that were theatrically released. You know, did Prom Night do well? Oh, fucking home fucking We We did speak about it. I can't remember. Yeah, but it. Uh, I don't know. I suppose the title, Prom Night, you know, might may have helped in that. Mm. Maybe we're, as I enjoy doing, I'm overanalyzing stuff. <laughs> but it's a fun film. It's a fun film to watch. I recommend watching it if you're a fan of horror films. Yes, absolutely. So, that was the burning 
if you are a fan of the burning, if you're not a fan of the burning, whatever, let us know. We're on Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. We are finally on Spotify. At last. We are finally on Spotify. So if you are listening on there, follow us uh, to get notified when there's new episodes every week. Uh, If you're on iTunes, rate, review and subscribe, like and follow on everything else. And I am Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruz92 on Twitter, DelacGaz92 on Letterboxd. I am Chris Barker823 on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter. And the next two weeks, we're kind of, uh, this is kind of joint chosen episode. So you're going to camp Chris and Camp Gary for the Sleepaway Camp sequels. Yes. Now, of course, we did discuss sleepaway camps for Halloween classics last year. So, uh, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet. If you want to listen to it again, go for it. And we'll be discussing sleepaway camp 2, sleepaway camp 3 next week. And return to sleepaway camp... Just to clarify. Oh, yeah. Return to sleepaway camp. Yeah. So, the week after, we'll be discussing sleepaway camp 4, the survivor, and return to sleepaway camp. Yes. So we will see you same time, same place next week. Bye.